right. I am so excited to have Carrie and Sarah with us from the Take Heart Special Moms podcast. We're missing Amy today, who's also part of their amazing podcast. But I am so honored to have the two of you here today. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And I just want to say at the very beginning, um, congratulations. I see you're in season three and I absolutely love um, kind of, I guess you call your tagline for your podcast, which is, and really your core beliefs as well as hope and joy and connection through authenticity. I heard y'all saying on the podcast I listened to, and I just love that because as a mom who's there, we're all there together. Um it, you know, it's so unique sometimes to find people talking in that space as opposed to some other spaces uh, as it relates to, you know, helping parents and helping families. Uh, and I love that you talk from that perspective because I'm very similar that way. I, I want to provide hope. I want to provide some positivity, but at the same time, you know, being transparent and authentic. And so I, I love that that is also some core values that your podcast has. Um, before we get started, though, I'd love to hear, um, and I don't know, Carrie, Sarah, well, I guess we can try to figure out here who's going to go when, uh, what brought you personally to the Take Heart Special Moms? I mean, how did you get to a point where you decided, I want to be part of this podcast, I want to talk publicly, because right, that's that's a whole different ballgame, right? Talk publicly about what's going on in my family, but also reach out to help moms. So Carrie, do you mind going first and telling us kind of a little bit about, because I think it helps us get to know you, right? Like kind of what brought you to this world and tell us a little bit about uh, what brought you to the podcast that you have. So I was brought into the world of special needs um, when my third son was prenatally diagnosed with spina bifida and hydrocephalus. And we, our journey took kind of a road less traveled when he was two weeks old. So he went into respiratory failure and we spent over two months in the hospital. He spent a month in the ICU fighting for his life. And after that, we brought home this medically fragile baby who was hooked up to life-saving machines. He had a trach, a ventilator, feeding tube, and we have private duty nursing in our home and have ever since. He's 16 now. And then our journey has just been a lot of ups and downs. We've He's been in the hospital many, many times. I am the hospital state expert. I like to call myself and he's had 61 surgeries. So we just like, it's always, you know how sometimes doctors will be like, well, this doesn't usually happen. And then that would happen to us. So (laughs) that's a little bit personally about my introduction into the world of special needs. My son also has developmental delays he has learning disabilities. He has a severe reading disorder. So it's kind of like just all the things. And then he has physical disabilities also. And then as far as the podcast, so Sarah, Amy, and I actually are from three different states in the United States. And a week before everything shut down in 2020 in March, We had joined at the beginning of that year, a writing mastermind, like a writing group together. There were about 30 women in this group and kind of all three of our goals, at least individually were to write books and at least to advance our writing and just kind of spreading the message individually. Well, then we met 
together in California. That was our first in-person gathering of all these women from across the United States and Canada. And honestly, I think at first we were kind of all avoiding each other just a little bit because you, when your whole life sometimes and your whole identity is being around other special needs parents or moms, you just kind of want to find somebody else to be your friend, (laughs) to be honest. Um, (laughs) But God honestly just had, like he had different plans. And so the three of us connected, we went to dinner one night and I had heard from a place where I had spoken. A A mom had said to me, I wouldn't read a book, but I would listen to a podcast. Somebody else had spoken to Sarah, or Amy, kind of that same idea. And then in June, we started kind of figuring it out. And it is right. It is a figuring it out for sure. And I can say too, that it, it, it is because when it's your whole life and you're in the middle of it, sometimes you just want to do something else for a minute, right? Because I can say from my journey to the podcasting world, I had some blogs, I had done some other things that were in other spaces, right? Like travel and food and all these different things. And my husband kept saying, why don't you just talk about dyslexia? And I'm like, oh no, we, we live that all day, right? And then you realize, oh, that is what I'm good at though, right? Because you get it. And then I really want to talk to moms because as both of you know, there's so much that goes along with it, the shame and the guilt and the the just this heavy load we carry as moms and as wives. And so I really was feeling that and felt like everything I was finding for dyslexia on our end, everything was so negative. It was sue a district or do this. And I just really wanted a place where a mom could go and just kind of you know, just have community and just kind of, you know, again, have that hope of what was happening. But I do know it's a hard journey to get there, right? Because at the beginning, you're like, this could be an escape to do something different. But then, you know, God has a different idea for us sometimes, doesn't he? And he just brings us back to where we need to go. So I completely relate to to what you're saying there. Definitely. Sarah, are you ready to jump in? Yeah. Uh, so mine... My path into the special needs world, um, I don't even know if it was a path more, I feel, it feels more like a shove sometimes, <laughs> but um, it started when my son was actually diagnosed at the age of eight. And uh, so he has a an aggressive and uh, progressive terminal form of muscular dystrophy called Duchenne. So we put him in physical therapy. Uh, I worked for an orthopedist and um, we noticed that he just wasn't walking upstairs correctly and he had an awkward gait to his walk. And so we just thought, oh, we'll correct it. And I was working for an orthopedist, so why not? And kind of get him straightened out and ended up getting this diagnosis. So that went, it was just one day he was fine. And then the next day we just were on this whirlwind. And I kind of liken it the next six months were a fog. It just was this dense, dense fog of we just didn't know what was going on. And the next few years, actually, we just didn't quite know what to do. And then I have always been, I've always written, but I just never put anything out there. And we had family all over the world. um, And literally all over the world. And I just didn't want to, I really didn't want to talk about it a million different times because my son has 
so many doctors and we were traveling um, the nearest we found his medical team was on the East Coast. And I didn't want to have to go phone call by phone call by phone call by phone call and have to relay it. So I thought, I'm just going to start um, a, a website. And so I started that. And then we just moved to a Facebook group because it was easier. And I thought, here's where you guys can just keep up with it. So that's what I did. And it kind of grew. And somebody had said, you should write. And I thought, okay. And honestly, I started this writer's group because I thought I could go somewhere alone <laughs> for a week. <laughs> and that was kind of what it started as. great, actually, I know. to go somewhere with just you I and, know. and connect with other women. Like, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Let me know next time y'all find one of those. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, I would love to say that it was more noble than that at the beginning, but it wasn't. Right, And yes. um. And then I met, actually, Amy called me beforehand and wanted to know what I was wearing because that's what girls, no matter how old we are, that's what we do, I think. That's right. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, man, I really like her. Dang it. Because then I thought, I don't really want to connect with somebody who is, you know, a mom with a child with disabilities. And then I met Carrie and I was like, oh, double dang it, because I liked her too. <laughs> so, and like Carrie said, we kind of avoided each other at the beginning because I didn't want to connect with them at first. And um, again, this is just kind of going back to our our real authenticness, I guess that where we're coming from. And again, God was like, I think sometimes it's almost like he kind of grabs the top of your head and redirects you. He's like, you're not paying attention. <laughs> this was not what I had for you. And you guys are going to like each other. And you I have a plan for you. Right. And you're going to follow it. <laughs> Mm -hmm. one way or another. So um, exactly. we did. Yeah. <laughs> and we were sitting around this, this burger joint. And, um, and I wish Amy was here to share her story too. And um, because she has three biological children and three, her youngest three are adopted, and they have behavioral diagnoses. And one of the things like Carrie said, her son was diagnosed prenatally, my son was diagnosed at the age of eight. And I, I've said it before on other podcasts um, and in articles that I was so angry whenever I got that diagnosis because for eight years, I thought I was handed this baby boy and they were like, oh, mom, here's your healthy baby boy. And I thought, you liars. <laughs> I was so angry. I wanted <laughs> right. to find the doctors and the nurses and thought, you lie. And Amy just didn't, she had no idea what she was getting into. And the one thing that we've, no, but none of us really do. And I, I think that goes for parenting in general and life in general, but. Right. Absolutely. One of the things that we found as we were sitting around this restaurant in California, after we had tried to avoid each other for a couple of days <laughs> was that our paths, the diagnoses, our parenting, everything that we had gone through. I don't know what it's like to have to go through 60, whatever surgeries that Carrie's gone through. And the next time my son has a surgery, you better believe that I'm going to be like, Carrie, I need you to forward me a list of everything I need for the hospital because she right. says stuff and I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's brilliant. So, you know, that that's the thing that we need to rely on each other. And as we mm -hmm. sat around that table for literally, I think it was like three hours, we couldn't relate on the finer tuned things, but we related on what mattered. We related on the bigger feelings and what it was like. And that's what the important things that mattered. And Amy can't relate what it's like for Carrie and I to get so frustrated about 
parking in the blue lines. <laughs> we talk about it all the time. Yes. And Amy's like, I know, don't park in the blue lines. I mean, she doesn't know what it's like because she doesn't have a she doesn't have to deal with that. We don't right. know what it's like to be judged when she goes to the grocery store and a child has the behavioral issues. We're learning and she's learning. And I think that's what it's about. And that's what we connected on. So yeah. No, I love that because it's is that, you know, there's such differences, but then there's such common ground. I think you even said that in one of your podcasts that, you know, there's just something that draws us together. And even in the different communities that we're in that, you know, even in my community of dyslexia, you know, there's this saying that you've met one dyslexic, you've met one dyslexic, like they're all individual and all of our kids are individual, but we still go back to those core feelings and emotions as moms, right? And the things that we go through and the things that we worry about, uh, I would say they're more universal, I guess, or maybe that's more the common ground and just being able to support each other. And I find that you know, it is still, even with the community I have, there are days you feel so, or at least I do, I feel so lonely. And then I have to remember, okay, what, where, where's my network? Who do I need to go to? Like you said, you know, who do I reach out to when I need to know this information or where do I need to go to, to get this? And, and many times it's our community. And I think early on moms try to do it all by themselves, not realizing we're here, right? There's a community of moms that can support you and we want to support people. Um, so absolutely. And I just am in awe and uh, about the three of you ladies having the opportunity to work together. Like that's got to be so empowering and so nice to be able to have that connection and be working on the podcast together. Like, I just think that's amazing. So I'm so glad that, that the three of you were able to do that. Uh, I did notice when I was listening back at several of your podcasts, one of the things I absolutely love, so I'm going to plug it because I'd love for people to go listen. One is that episode 100, the three of you talk about kind of what brought you together and kind of how the podcast started. We didn't have time today to dig into all that, but I would love if people are interested to go hear your story of how you came together because I, I really thought that was fascinating as well. And and two, I think because you, like you just said, the three of you went into that really kind of, like you said, just kind of avoiding each other because you wanted to just find, like, sometimes I'm like, can I just have a regular mom? Like, can I just have a, a quote, you know, regular somebody to talk to where the focus is not always on, you know, what fire we're putting out today. Right. And then I realized that that's, but that's, that's the beauty of it. Right. But at the, along the way though, you realize that, no, this is where I need to be. And this is where God's leading me. I say all that to say though, that, I love on your podcast that y'all have decided to do themes for different months. I absolutely love that. And two of my favorite ones I want to plug is I love the one in November that's about rest because I love to talk about rest and how to recharge. And I just think that's so important as a mom because that's the last thing we think about, right? And the other one I want to plug that I thought was really good, and I, I may have to figure out some way to, to replicate that on my podcast, was this last month in March when you had a series on therapy and counseling. And I just had this conversation the other day with a good friend of mine that was just, she's like, I can't do it anymore. Like, I am just done. Like, I can't. Like, I just, I can't. And I was like, you need to find someone to talk to. Like, I can't, like, I can be your person, but you, you need more help. Like you need more help. And so I love that 
you're digging into those hard pieces, but at the same time, you're doing that from a place of support and connection. And I just wanted to plug those two things in particular. You have lots of great stuff on your on your podcast, but those two resonated with me the most, probably because I also have a counseling background. So anytime we're talking about feelings and counseling, I just, I love all those things. So, um, so I love that. And I appreciate both of you doing that or the three of you doing that rather. Um, so thank you for that. But what I, but kind of pivoting from there is, you know, I know that you've had the opportunity to have, uh, y'all have, I think at your own individual websites that you also write on and then you, you obviously write together and, and do the podcast together, but I would love to hear from each of you, um, when you're working with moms, what do you think or what do you hear over and over again? What is the biggest struggle when someone calls you or emails you or sends you a message on Facebook or wherever they're sending you messages? Maybe they're emailing your 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 uh, community, your community's emailing you. What is the one thing you seem like, okay, so this I'm hearing the same thing, but what do you feel like really resonates as far as like, this is the biggest struggle that I think moms deal with? And, and how do you, what do you say about those pieces? Cause I think that again, we'll find some commonalities as we have this conversation as well. Yeah, I think, so I would probably say each of us hears something a little bit different, you know, of course, based on our child's diagnosis and all of that, probably the biggest thing that we collectively hear is the loneliness piece. Um, and just how people feel very uh, isolated and, you know, they wish that they had the community uh, that we have. And, and I think, and I think that's just part of being a special needs mom. I think a lot of times there's guilt, there's shame, there's this sense of we're going to exhaust the people around us because of the support that we need. And then I think we also tend to isolate ourselves because we feel like our parenting journey is just so completely different than our coworkers, our people at church, uh, the school where our kids might be going or the homeschool community our kids might be in. And we just tend to draw away instead of looking for the common ground that we can, we can have and, and build on. And I think one of the things that you said earlier, Nicole, was about how you kind of think of the mom that you need to talk to for different aspects, you know, of our lives. And I think that's really important. I think sometimes we feel like we, hopefully I'm not taking everything Sarah's gonna say, but I think a lot of times we tend to want to find somebody just like us, or we we feel like we have to um, have this box. I know for me in general, like in the beginning, I didn't feel like I fit, I fit in with the community of spina bifida. So spina bifida is a neural tube defect. My son was born with an open hole in his back. He's essentially paralyzed. It is the most common birth defect in the United States. It, it affects more people, more babies. I think it's like one in 10,000 births and you would think that there would just be this massive community and there is to an extent, but because my son ended up with all these rare case scenarios of his vocal cords being paralyzed and his airway collapsing, I felt very isolated and alone because I was dealing with things that other moms weren't, they weren't dealing with. 
And so what I found, especially in those early days was I had to find moms who might just have one connection. You know, it was a friend of mine from church who had a son with a rare diagnosis. No, nowhere close to what my son had, but both of our kids had trachs. And that was the one connection, you know, we had, or, you know, is this other mom who might be dealing with the, the learning disabilities or whatever. So I, I think loneliness um, is one. And the other question that I personally get a lot is, so our son is third of four kids and spina bifida is, has genetic and, and environmental uh, causes, but a lot of times there are families that have two kids in the same family with spina bifida. And I get the question a lot, like, what made you decide to have another child? So those are, those are our two that or at least personally that one. And then the loneliness piece, I think that we hear the most. Right. So what would you say for, cause it's similar in, in our community because with dyslexia, many times it's not just the reading and spelling and, and for some it's math. It's usually also, um, I call them other dyslexic sisters, but a lot of people, yes, co-occurrences, comorbidity, those just sound so clinical to me. So I just say the dyslexic sisters, like there's a whole bunch of people trying to fight for the front seat in the car and it might be ADHD. It might be anxiety, depression. It could be dysgraphia. It could be other pieces. And so I think you're right there, right? Like when we're talking about these pieces that not one mom is going to be exactly like you and fit the box of everything you're experiencing with your child, but finding those pieces of who can relate. And sometimes, like you said, it it almost too gives you the feeling of at least I'm not exhausting that one person, right? Like I can call that person and go, okay, so how are you dealing with this, this particular situation? And they're able to kind of walk me through that. And I think too, what is different, uh, a different for us as far as the dyslexia community, a lot of ours is what we call an invisible disability. Like someone sees our child and doesn't realize that they're not reading at grade level or they're struggling in these areas. And so, and then there are other pieces they do well at. So they're like, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with your kid, you know, those types of things. So it's a completely different experience than what you're experiencing, obviously, in your community. Um, so I guess my follow-up question before we move on is that, so for the moms that do say, I'm just completely, I just completely feel isolated. Are you, or some of the advice you're giving them is to find that connection with other people. Like you may find a mom that's dealing with, like you were saying that one particular piece of the puzzle and going to that person, which is good too, right? Because that person then has someone they can talk to and you're able to give, um, give advice and lean on each other. Hey, I tried this and it worked or, Hey, I've got this doctor referral and things of that nature. So are those some of the things that you feel like have helped your community as far as kind of, there's no easy answer here, right? Cause there's even periods of time now, years later, uh, we're, we're in middle school now at our house and there's still pieces that we run into um, because I think even Sarah said earlier, like just parenting every stage is different regardless of the other pieces we're dealing with. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, as I think through that, I was just kind of curious as to, and I think you answered this, but I just kind of wanted to make sure I'm understanding it correctly is, you know, how, how do you feel like we can best as moms helping our communities work through that loneliness piece? Or is that just part of the journey, perhaps? I think, I mean, first of all, it like, I know just asking God to give us good friends. I think that's a really important piece of it. And I think also um, 
like just finding that one thing that you can connect with. And sometimes I, I think it's laying down some of those expectations too, right? Like this person isn't going to meet all of our needs. Uh, they're not going to understand completely where I'm coming from all at all times. Um, but just being willing to reach out. I think a lot of times too, sorry, and Sarah, I'm talking so much. So if you need to say something, jump in is a lot of times we, uh, I totally lost my train of thought. You're gonna have to edit this part out. Hold on. (laughs) No problem. Um, I think what you were saying too, is like, when we think about like there might not be one person that meets all of our needs. That's kind of I think where you were going. And it's helpful to know like wh- who can I kind of go to, but at the same time, you're still trying to figure it out too, right? Like every day almost is a new day, right? Yeah. Trying to figure out and, and getting through the struggles. And as we hit these different life stages uh, with our, with ourselves and with our kids, then there's just something new that we're working through. Right. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. As far as just finding, you know, more, I just think it's so important to have more of a community. Right. And then it just, it, it, it just kind of, you know, comes around you and just, it cares for you. And, yeah. uh, and then us being that for other people's community, but it, that can be tiring too. Right. <laughs> it yeah. definitely can, but and I think it's definitely worth the work. Yeah. I think too, it's being willing to share our stories. I I think that's one part of it is that we feel maybe shame or guilt, whether our child has an invisible disability or we feel like maybe we caused our child's, you know, genetic disorder diagnosis. And I think we tend to draw inside instead of being willing to give out or, and I'm not saying like that you're just always giving, but just that right. you're willing to kind of open up and say, Hey, this is a little my vulnerable story. There, right? exactly. Like you gotta be, uh, you gotta, because at the beginning you're trying to, you know, establish that trust, but also, you know, being vulnerable with other people yeah. is not always easy. It's not. It really is not. No. So, so Sarah, jump in here. Cause we want to hear from you as well. And, and um, Carrie, you jump back in too, as you need to, but, Sarah, tell me a little bit about what is some of the biggest struggles you're hearing from from the community of moms that you talk with. And it can be within the podcast or it can just be individuals that reach out that say, I don't know how you're dealing with this. Can you help me out? Like, what are some things you're hearing and what are some pieces? Because I, I, although all of us are different as far as our kiddos, I still hear the commonalities. And I think that's so helpful. So um, I think... Well, one of the things that I I have heard lately mm-hmm. was is which is so fascinating to me and it's it's actually something that I think that Amy's heard a lot too. Um and I don't want to put words in her mouth that she's not since she's not here, but I, uh, obviously I'm going to. Um because <laughs> she's not here. Um is that we there's some moms of children who have behavioral issues and some invisible disabilities that are saying, I didn't know I was a mom of children with disabilities. I didn't know I was, I I had the right to claim that title. And I think that that's important. I think that there is so much competition and I've, and Carrie has said before that the competition goes both ways. It's the competition is, well, you don't have it as bad as I do. I have, 
I have this, that, and the other. Or the competition can be, well, I don't have that much to complain about. Um, my child doesn't have to deal with this, that, or the other. And I could sit here and say, well, I don't have to deal with 60 surgeries like Carrie does. I don't have to spend that much time in the hospital. Where Carrie could then say, well, I don't have to deal with a terminal diagnosis. And then we could miss out on that friendship. We could have not started that podcast if we had stayed in that space. And I think that that's the important aspect of it. And Amy could have said, well, I don't have to deal with the medical stuff. And then she could have missed out on that. And so I would say that a lot of it is what we're hearing right now is I didn't even know I was allowed to claim that. And if your child has those, whatever the title that you want to put to it, if your child has a disability, if your child has the different need, a special need, then that that's a commonality that we have. And we might not have wanted it, but we have it. And we should rely on that. And I think for my, what I hear personally, and I think this goes along with my son's diagnosis, is whenever I re we received our my son's diagnosis, like I said, he was eight years old. And my husband and I are in leadership and at our church. I was, I was, I was brought up Christian. My husband was not. He did not, he had, he was not brought up in the church. And he at the age of 26 was baptized. And he was, he would he actually did not skip a beat with the diagnosis. He just he turned to Christ. He was, okay, we've got this. God's on our side. I had the exact opposite reaction. I was so angry. I was livid and I was heartbroken and I was confused. I had a lot of doubt. And so a lot of a lot of the moms that I'm speaking to don't know what to do with those emotions. And they are, there's a lot of shame with that too, of how can I be this angry? at a God that I have believed in for so long, or that I feel that I have said cares so much about me. And if they're anything like me, and if anybody's listening, I spent months, if not years to like, I'd say two to three years after my son's diagnosis, walking into church, not just for 45 minutes every Sunday, but days throughout the week, volunteering, teaching children. And I felt like a hypocrite every single time. Um, because I was so angry at him. And I think that that's part of the journey as well. I think for me, one of the things that I'm hearing is how do I deal with that as a mom to a child with disabilities is how, how do I work through that? And, and that's part of what we're dealing with, what we, what we cover in our book is how how God works through those emotions. He doesn't expect you to get rid of them. He actually expects you to bring those to him. He knows you have them, but um, so yeah, yeah. And he actually gives you those emotions. He knows, I mean, he created those emotions. So I, that's, that's part of what I hear. Um, and maybe that's because I'm, I'm very vocal with that. I, I carried a lot of shame with that for a long time. And a lot of the struggles that I had with depression after that. And that's part of the reason why I speak out so much about it is because you can't carry that alone. Um, 
with those emotions. So yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. And, and it's hard too, because at the same time you're questioning why me at the same time, mm-hmm. you have such unconditional love for your child. Right. And so and then it's, then it's a whole nother, you know, group of emotions that comes in there. And so, yeah, absolutely. Well, I love that you mentioned the book. So the book is the other side of special navigating the messy joy filled life of a special needs mom. I have to say it caught my attention. I I just, even the title, it's, it is long, but I think it's like, I haven't read the book yet, but it seems so spot on to, there is this navigating this messiness of everything we're dealing with, which we could talk about for hours. And then there's this whole other piece. Um, and I talk about this a good bit on my podcast because I don't want moms to get stuck in the you know, this is horrible. The sky is falling. Okay. Feel that way for an hour. And then we got to process all that because there is, you're going to miss enjoying your child if you get stuck in that place. And so, you know, we talk about that as well, but this is what I love that you have on, on the, on the, on the book. Um, I guess I would say the cover, uh, I lo- no, this is what you say about the book when people go to your website. So y'all have a launch team for the for the uh, book launch team. And I love that. So I'm going to put all that information in the show notes. So if anybody wants to be part of that, that's listening, the book is going to be released on March. Uh, no, March. Oh, my goodness. That was last month. <laughs> May the 9th. And I'm super excited for that. And in the meantime, there's a lot of great opportunities to be part of the launch team any mom can do that. So if you're listening, you are applicable to jump in and learn more information. And we can talk a little bit about that in a minute. But I love that you say there are no quick fixes or simple solutions. I think sometimes we just want a quick fix, right? Like, can someone just tell me how to make this better? And when we're navigating through this life of being a special needs mom and raising these amazing kiddos, there is no simple about it. So I love that you just you just say that head on. And I love that you say that what I what we are going to give you in the book is provide understanding, compassion, and solidarity, knowing that God is present, right? He's here with us in this difficult and messy emotions that we all are experiences as moms. And it's yeah. you don't experience it for one week or one month and then you're done with it. It's the whole parenting journey. Like it's not, I mean, you have different emotions. Obviously you're dealing with different times, but there are no quick fixes in the world of parenting in general. But then when you layer on all the other pieces that we have to go through individually and as a collective, it just looks different. And so I love the title of the book. Um, I love that you talk about the, that there are no quick fixes. So let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, and then we'll come back to the launch team piece here in a few minutes. So no quick fixes or simple solutions. Why did you think that was so important to say at the very beginning? And anybody can jump in. Like, why did you were like, people need to know that this is what we're about in this book. I loved it. Well, I think going back to, you know, what I was, what I was saying about the emotions earlier, or, you know, was, I think, especially when it comes to faith community. Um, I, I think there's an expectation that, and actually Carrie's Carrie speaks to grief a lot. Um, and she speaks well to this. And so, um, she'll probably speak to this in a minute. Um, but it's almost like you have a short window to be sad. Um, if, if you are a good Christian girl, at least that's how I have felt, you know, you know, good Christian women, let's not be sad. 
your children are miracles in progress. And we, we feel like we have this expectation if we are um, mothers to children with disabilities, it, whether they're visible or not, we are inspirations. And we talk about this on our podcast all the time. I'm not an inspiration. And trust me, my son is 19. He is not an inspiration. Very rarely is that child an inspiration. <laughs> He's a teenager. Um, he just happens to be a teenager in a wheelchair. He just, there's, there, we have these, these unrealistic expectations that are put on us because we put on this, this front. And it's not any more of a front than any other parent. Um, you don't see any other parent that walks through the grocery store sharing every single thing about their life in the produce aisle. So I don't understand why they feel that we should. Um, and so I think that that's part of it. And it's it's either like we're we're happy or sad. And as as the special needs moms or moms to children with disabilities, we are allowed to be both. And there is not a time limit to your grief. There's not a time limit to your anger. That doesn't mean that we should stew in it. And I learned very early on, at least for me, that I was looking at my son and I stayed in that anger. Like I said, um, for anybody that's listening, I, it's more or less like do as I say, not as I do <laughs> kind of situation. Yeah, so right. um, I did not, I stayed in my anger way too long. And I realized that it was affecting my son. And I realized that my son did have a terminal diagnosis. And I was very quickly turning that terminal diagnosis into a terminal life for him because he was mirroring my personality because that's what children do. And I thought I can either, I can make his life worthwhile or I can make his life exactly what this diagnosis is going to be like. And I decided whatever time he has left, I'm going to make it exactly what I feel like it should be. And we were going to live it to the fullest. And that's, that's the choice that we made. And I have not looked back and I was so grateful for that. And I just think that there's not a time limit on your emotions. So I, yeah, you got to yeah. go through them as you need to go through them. Yeah, I can pull, and I, and when I said earlier, you just got to move on. I didn't mean that in any way of right. not feeling that, but also there's pieces where we have to take action, right? Kids got to go somewhere. Right. We got interventions, we got medical appointments. And, but I do love what you just said though, because that really hits home for me. And when I talk to my community and we talk, you know, I talk with other moms and whether it's part of the podcast or a mom stops me that knows me, right? Is that, you know, our kids do your kids period. It doesn't matter what, if your kids um, are, are differently wired or whatever you might want to say, but if any kid, they take their cues from us, right? Mm -hmm. So if we get upset with the teacher or mad with the teacher, or I hate that person, or why is this neighbor doing this? The kids get that from us. And so, you know, we know that, but I always try to remind people that, Hey, remember you can be sad for a minute, and work through all those emotions, but there may be some stuff you've got to work on while at the same time figuring out, like you said, how do I best support my child and how do I kind of keep things moving? And um, it's ironic because a mom told me the other day, she said, my son said, I hate that you're having to do this. And she's like, what are you talking about? And I happened to have the book on my table 
So for those of you that are watching the YouTube, so overcoming dyslexia, it's a pretty big read. And so I have a mom who is dyslexic herself. And she's like, I said, I'm going to send you the book. Don't send me the book. I won't read it. Months later, she got the book. She's like, it's amazing. I'm like, yeah, I know. But her son said, mom, I hate you're having to do all this homework for me. I know you don't like to read, but you're having to do this because I got this thing, right? I got this dyslexia thing. And I was like, wow, you know, I mean, they're watching, they're watching our cues. And of course she flipped it and, you know, handled it beautifully. Um, and, and maybe sometimes you do and sometimes you don't, right? Because we're we're human and we make mistakes and we just continue to try to, to be better each day. But um, so I do love that piece. So sh- thank you for sharing that because I do think it's important for us to remember that you know, we are the leaders in our family. And and like you said, and it's okay for our kids to see us sad too, right? Like maybe mm-hmm. today yeah. was just not a good day. And, and it gives us, I love those pieces too, though, just real quickly, because it gives us the opportunity to really, to really, and, and Carrie, you're not talk to our kids about emotions too, right? If they're able to have those conversations about like, you know, naming those emotions and having those conversations. And I think that's, um, you know, that's just something that they need to know. And and as they're able to do that, it helps us communicate better with them as well. Um, Carrie, what were you going to jump in and say there as far as just, um, you know, talking a little bit about just the thoughts behind the book and, and kind of getting started there as well? Yeah. So I think part of just things not being wrapped up in a nice, neat bow is, <laughs> I think, living in tension, which I've never been very good at. <laughs> and I just, have always, and I, one of the things that I have realized, even in just the last couple of years, and because I've been seeing a counselor, since we did talk about that on the podcast, on our podcast in March, is that I just wanted to get through, like Sarah said, you just want to get through the other side, get through the grief as quickly as possible. So you can just feel okay again. Uh, And it, while I feel like that's normal and that's human, it's not, sometimes it doesn't allow for the space of grief. And I've really been learning a lot about lament lately and uh, the Psalms and just how it's okay to live with these complex emotions of grief and anger and sorrow over our life, not turning out like it, it, it was expected to be, but also at the same time, we can still feel grateful that, uh, you know, God carried us through something or, um, that we remember uh, what he's done for us or how we've grown or how things have changed. And I know for me personally, when you were talking about like talking to your kids about the emotions, my son is, you know, verbally appropriate for his age. And one of the things that we're walking through with him is just him, him processing his own grief and the realization that he's different and he can't run around and play basketball like his brothers. And how, how do I walk through that for him? And I, I'm trying to do my best to model that, you know, sometimes there are days it's okay not to be okay. And I don't just have to fix it for him. I can let him be grieving and sorrowful and, and we can take those, those emotions and complex pain to God and ask him to help us with it. Um, because I think we're just constantly living in that tension and somewhere in that grief cycle as moms of kids with special needs. Absolutely. I, I think if we don't live in that tension and if we don't show our emotions, I found that my son is like, well, I can't be upset 
that I have this diagnosis. So he gets confused. Mm -hmm. And, and then my, his brother doesn't know how to handle those emotions as well. And he's like, well, why can't we are on vacation? Why can't we rent bikes and ride around? We went to Washington DC and he wanted to rent bikes. And I'm like, well, we all can't rent bikes. And he was angry about that. And he had a right to be angry. And then he felt guilty because he was like, well, that's not fair. And I'm like, well, okay, that's it. It's okay to feel guilty, but don't stay in that guilt. And so when they, my boys were younger, I said, okay, so all of these negative emotions are emotions that we put on a shelf. So we don't put them behind a closed lock cabinet because then we can't see them. So let's put them on a shelf and then let's just go about our vacation. And then when we need to take them out, we can take them down on off that shelf and deal with them. And so sometimes they're like, can we just shelve the emotions for now? Cause we don't want to deal with them. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't work out so well, but then sometimes it's like, we have to go to school. Can we just shove the emotions and then we'll deal with it when we come home I love that. Can we just put it on the shelf? Yeah. We'll pick it back up later. Yeah. Yeah. But they're emotions and they need to be dealt with. So Mm -hmm. let's not lock them away, but we'll. Right. But, and then also my husband, just because he's the man of the house and he's supposed to be quote unquote strong, doesn't mean that he's not allowed to be sad either. Mm -hmm. And I think that all of these emotions these diagnoses are hard and they impact every single person in this house on some mm-hmm. level. Absolutely. And, and a lot of these diagnoses, a lot of these diagnoses are like a domino effect too. Mm-hmm. You know, like even with dyslexia, there's, there's like, it's not just dyslexia. Mm-hmm. That's, that's it's a domino effect. There's always, yeah. it's never just One something. Thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's never well, just one diagnosis. And and we find too, like in our community, because th- so many kids go without being identified or diagnosed with dyslexia mm-hmm. that usually, and this happened in our family as well, is that we, me, my husband and I both have education backgrounds, but we did not have dyslexia on our radar. And what's even more important to know is that for so many, because it is hereditary, as soon as we started reading, and as soon as we started processing, my husband was like, and he's, let's see, 52 this year. And he's like, oh, that's so me. Oh, that's why I do that. You know, and then, so then I'm processing what's going on with me. I'm processing what's going on with him. I'm processing what's going on with my daughter. And it is right. Because for so many, especially in in my generation, we would not have been identified or diagnosed. We were just a slow reader or we were C students and, you know, you just did the best you could. But now that we know, and then we start reading, right. And really learning what it means and how our brain works differently and why we have executive functioning pieces and we can't keep our you know, our, our day planner organized or whatever. It's just like, okay, now it makes sense. And so then we're, and then too, the whole guilt of, oh, well, I, I gave this to them, right? Like it's hereditary. <laughs> so yeah, there's just um, a lot to unpack, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, way to say that. Like Carrie's, you know, there's, it's never just spina bifida mm-hmm. or it's never just Duchenne or it's never just whatever that diagnosis is. It's never just that. Absolutely. There's always a domino effect. There's always trickle down mm-hmm. effect. And so. And I love that you said that too, because it's not just with the, and, it, and you're right. Many, almost every time there's always something else, right. Mm-hmm. That doesn't just come by itself. Like, you know, a, just pops up at the house. No, there's other things, but I love what you said too, about it also hits the family dynamic, right? Like it's, 
everybody, uh, my mother lives with us and many times she has to ask questions. She's 80 and she's like, I don't, I don't understand some of this. And so I'll make some comment and she'll be like, well, I don't know what that means. Like, can you explain to me what that means? And so then I'm talking to her, but trying to make sure she understands and let her ask questions. And, um, so it's, it's just, it, it does, it impacts everybody that you're trying to, to make sure that it, whatever they need to understand that you're able to provide in, in the early days, you're not really even sure. <laughs> I'm not, hold on. Can we put a pin in that or put that on the shelf? Because yeah. I'm not sure yet. I'm about to come back to you. When we I we shove out. a lot. We yeah, shove a lot. Like, yeah. We're going to have a lot of bookshelves here at our house yeah. here shortly. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, I know we need to wrap up time, but I do want to ask one final question, which is um, what, if you have an absolute something from, um, hold on, let me think how I want to ask this from the book. I don't, I, I know there's going to be just, you've talked a little bit of kind of uh, gave us a little bit of a spoiler there as far as some of the things that you're going to talk about. So I'm super excited about that. But when you think about, I know writing a book is a journey. Like I've started one many times and just can't get it finished, but I've heard so many author friends of mine say it's such a journey. It's like birthing a child. Like it's, it's a whole process. And I'm just wondering, you know, as, as you're now at the end in getting closer to the end of having it happen, you know, what are some things that you're hoping moms take away? Like, what are you hoping that a mom will gain from reading your book? Or maybe you have a, a, maybe you have a special chapter or topic that's near and dear to you that you're like, this is what she needs to know. Obviously she needs to read the whole book, but if there's something that's really close to your heart that you're like, "Mm, yeah, this is it. This is the, the thing that I hope if she walks away with one thing from reading the book, what would that be? And of course, now we're enticing her to go get this book. So I'm super excited about that. So who wants to jump in first as we wrap up to tell us a little bit more about what can we expect from this book and what is what are you excited to share with us as moms? So I can go real fast. Um, so it the book goes through the messy emotions that we deal with as special needs moms. And one of the ways we tried to write it was from our three different perspectives, our three different voices and stories. So I, we hope that um, moms can, it can pick it up and say, you know what, I'm really struggling with doubt today. I want to go read about Sarah's story. And then here's some practical ways that she's learned. So we don't want to give pat answers, but we do have some practical things that we've learned along this journey. Cause all of us, our kids are older teenagers and, or adults. And we we've got some ideas of that. Probably my passion is the chapter on grief. Um, I know that sounds really weird, but it was so empowering to me to understand and realize that the expectation that grief is not something we just get over as a special needs mom. That's an, it's an ongoing part of our journey that it's okay to feel it. I think that's one thing that holds a lot of shame and guilt because our children are still with us, but yet when they're 16 and not getting their driver's license, like their friend, other friends are there's grief there. And so I think just being able to name that and, and the ability to um, just lament and to lament those hard things and that it's okay for us to sit in these difficult spaces, but yet we also have this amazing hope at the same time. Sarah, do you have anything to add? Mm. Uh, 
I think with like with Carrie, what Carrie said is that if you're just struggling with one emotion, you can just grab it um, and and read that. And that's what we all live very busy lives. And we know you're not going to sit down and sit by the fireplace for a whole Saturday and read your book. That's just not our lives. Yeah. And that's what our podcast is about too. Our podcast is 12 to 15 minutes because that's how long you have to go drive to therapy and back. <laughs> so that's, that was the premise of our podcast too. So, um, and actually my, I think my favorite chapter ended up being navigating a crisis. We ended up having a bonus chapter at the back and I was writing this chapter and I was having a, a minor meltdown and I, I was texting Amy and I said, I have nothing. I have nothing. I, I, I'm not navigating a crisis. What do I write about? Cause it was supposed to be navigating a crisis while we were writing the book. And, and she said, are you kidding me? Your husband lost his job. You had to change your son's entire medical care in the middle of COVID. And I thought, oh yeah. And it dawned on me how often as moms are we navigating a crisis and we have no idea we're navigating a crisis because we're just getting it done. And so that ended up being my favorite because it's just what we do. I love that. And I talked to a couple of moms recently and I I said the same thing. I was like, you realize you're in crisis. Like this is, this is a big deal. And she was like, I guess I am, but I, I, I just felt like this was just day to day, right? Like, this is just what I have to do when I wake up. I just mm-hmm. have to deal with all these things that are happening in my household. I'm like, so you're at crisis mode. So let's see what we can do next. And so we had those conversations. But yeah, I think you're right. We're just so used to navigating that. Um, but it is good to 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 sit back and 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 really think through we as moms have so many strengths that we don't always recognize, right? And so it, I think going back to what we were talking about earlier, Carrie, too, is, you know, I think that's so powerful, too, when you have a good network, because not only will someone call you out, like, like it's, hey, hey, you're in the middle of the crisis, but also the person that's able to say, you know, that's your strength, like, you you got this, you know what you're doing. And it's going to vary from day to day, right? But it's so important to have that community around you and figure out who those people are. And it may change in the different seasons of your life as well. And I think people need to recognize that that's something I've had to struggle through that, you know, the person that was the person four years ago is not the person now and that's okay. Uh, So I've had to work through that as well. So anyway, well, I will definitely provide information about the launch team. Uh, I know you have some specific pieces there that you're providing to to the team. Uh, And I looked at that earlier today. So I'm super excited about jumping on that team as well and the resources that you're providing there. So if anyone is listening and is interested in the book, The Other Side of Special, Navigating the Messy, Joy-Filled Life of a Special Needs Mom, you can pre-order order it when you hear this podcast slash YouTube and uh, video. And so, uh, or if it's after, not March, but May the 9th, you can go get your copy uh, pretty much probably anywhere that books are sold. Although in our household, Amazon tends to deliver most often during the week. So that's usually our go-to. But I want to say thank you both so much. And please let Amy know that we missed her and thank her for all the work that she is doing. And I just appreciate uh, the space that you're in and the things that you're talking about. And I so appreciate you carving out time to come and speak with me and share your expertise and and share about the book. I'm just super excited to get a copy. And, um, and I love that it sounds like based on 
what Sarah was saying. It's one of those books where I can just go back to it when I need to revisit a particular emotion or situation. And I find those books to be the most helpful, those I can go back to later, right? And really go, okay, and this is one I need to keep handy. So when I'm having that kind of day, and two, and if you've got a friend doing that, hey, you need to go back to chapter six, right? Like you you need to go read that. that. That'll be good for you to think about. And so I think it's even good to share with others as well as we are all kind of dealing with those pieces. So thank you both so much. Thank you, Nicole. Appreciate it. Thank you for having us.